You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze. And it felt a little like... Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. If you haven't already, check out the Go Wild app and you can download it directly to your mobile device wherever apps are currently downloaded. You can also find out more information about what makes this new outdoor enthusiast app so special by going time to go wild.com that's their website and you can find a ton of information about this app if you're a hunter or you like to fish or you like to camp this community is designed specifically for the outdoor enthusiast and that's what it is that's what go wild is it is a outdoor community and it's a great place for you to share all of your outdoor experiences, not just the kill, right? I mean, everything from start to finish. So if you haven't already, please go check out the Go Wild app wherever you currently download your apps or you can visit timetogowild.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. Please go check out their trail cameras. Today, we have a badass podcast. We're joined once again by a friend of the program, Nick Penazzato, and Nick is the CEO of the National Deer Alliance. And today you're going to get a very high level uh, podcast about what the NDA is. We're going to talk about uh, updates that are coming through the NDA. We're going to talk about some hot topics that they've been working on in, uh, since the last time that he's been on the podcast. And lastly, we're going to talk about his recent success in the woods in Ohio. A uh, really cool story about a deer that he's had history with over the years. And uh, I, I, I'm a sucker for a good story about a deer that a hunter has several years of history with. So uh, we're going to get updates 
from the National Deer Alliance, and we're going to get a kick-ass hunter, I guess, hunter success story. And uh, that's what today's podcast is about. Now, before we get into today's podcast, I got to talk a little bit about prime archery. Now, this year, I shot the prime logic, right? And I'll tell you what. After my dumbass dry fired it, right? Called up the company and that's a really hard phone call to make when you when someone gives you a bow to shoot and then it's amateur hour and you dry fire it, it explodes. So now you got to call them back and say, "Hey man, I need some new parts." They graciously sent me some new parts. I took it back to the bow shop where I exploded it and they put it back together and the son of a gun works flawlessly so shout out to prime for making uh, a bow that once you dry fire it you know the the limbs were fine the riser was fine the the cams took a shit and the the strings you know were all shot from the dry fire and that's to be expected but the replacement parts that they sent me just went right back into the bow and it was awesome and i'll tell you one thing i like they have a short axle to axle on on the bow that I shot and then the dual cams and one thing that I found out with the dual cams and I know I'm taking a long time to to go through this product but I do not have very good form so if I can find a product whether it's the bow itself or something else I can add to the bow that allows me to shoot more accurately while still maintaining bad form that's a win-win and I feel like the dual cams you know that the cams the two cams on the top and the two cams on the bottom really help make the bow forgiving and at the same time increase my accuracy so that's a win-win situation and I love that the the axle to axle is a shorter axle axle I think um, I shot a 31 inch axle to axle which it's easier to pack around the woods right so I just love the bow. It shot flawlessly, and it allowed me to, to kill my biggest buck of, uh, of my life. So that's a, a win-win. So check out g5prime.com for a list of all their bows. And they got it's cool because they have a ton of uh, camo patterns or different colors you can make the bow. So that was kind of fun to, to dig through as well. So g5prime.com. Now, enough of the whoring out. Let's get into today's update hunter profile big buck success story with my man nick penizzato of the national deer alliance all right back on the podcast it's been a while since uh, he's been on the podcast but uh mr nick penizzato how you doing man i'm doing great dan happy to be here good to be back on the show yeah love having you now for those of you guys who don't know uh nick is uh heads up the national deer alliance and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit uh we're also going to talk about uh he's he's a successful hunter this year and uh, we're going to talk about one of the deer that he successfully harvested with a rifle um was it last week or the week before um, I guess it was actually this week. Oh, this Monday. week. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. It seems like you have a little history uh, with that. But other other than this successful harvest, how has your deer hunting been this year? Yeah, it's been a really unique season for me. Um, obviously, the, the success part was good. But leading up to it, uh, my family and I moved back to Pennsylvania, where we, my wife and I both grew up here. And we moved back to Pennsylvania from Ohio. And 
literally on the day before the opening day of Ohio archery season. Um, so you couldn't have had worse timing for us to do that. Uh, if you're a hunter for sure. So I'm, instead of being out in a tree stand, I'm walking around the new house, trying to unfill cardboard boxes with a two-year-old hanging off my leg. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't even, yeah, didn't even get out deer hunting until finally, uh, I guess it'd be the third week of October. I got out to Delaware, a property I hunt out there and I just enjoy hunting out there. And, I uh, got out there for a few days and then didn't do real well. It was still kind of warm. Uh, and then went back out there again about a week later, shot a couple does and had encounters with some good bucks. And then uh, not again until I slipped out into Ohio, back to Ohio for, I didn't get to Ohio this year till November. Okay. So I had all my stand set and cameras and all of that. I didn't get out there till November. I had a chance at a magnificent deer out there with my bow that I, could not take advantage of that's a whole other story that i'll probably break down in tears if i get into it <laughs> but uh you know it's the one the one that got away story but uh, otherwise no it's, it's it's been good man i mean it's been um it's not the amount of time i typically put in but it's been i've, I've just enjoyed every minute like i always do right absolutely and i'll tell you that's one thing the older i get the more you know don't get me wrong i love going out and killing a big buck eating his meat taxidermy hang him on the wall but there's just something about the older i get the more i enjoy just sitting in a tree stand and basically watching this free movie yeah i mean that's what it's all about and when i was younger i, I still remember and i talked to a buddy of mine about this to this day uh that i hunt with a lot and that is just slow Every hour you could be out in a stand you were in a stand it didn't matter if it was the absolute wrong conditions or whatever you just went and now i enjoy it so much more and i'm so super selective about when i go uh, the best times and i just seem to you know not not get worn out first of all but also just enjoy those moments you know a lot more and my success really hasn't changed at all i haven't gotten less successful because i don't go out as often right i'm just a little bit smarter about it yeah. On the contrary, for me, it's almost the opposite. And I think it has something to do. Like, I've had three kids in like six years now. And in that time frame, I've, I've probably seen more, more mature bucks than I ever had. And it's probably because I'm spending less time on my hunting farms, you know, putting less pressure on it. And I'm not spooking the deer. Well, that's, that's a big part of it. And that's one of the things just i've been on a number of different shows and you get into questions and answers how do you do this and yeah. how do you do that and what is your biggest advice for getting a chance at big deer and that's one of the things i talk about is just not not over pressuring the deer for sure right. and not going out on those days when the conditions aren't right and as you know having success on big deer yourself that matters yep absolutely absolutely well you ended up being successful and we'll get into that here in a, in a moment, but really quick on a very high level for those who don't know what the national deer Alliance is, why don't you fill us in high level, what the national deer Alliance is, and then talk to us um, about some things that have maybe been going on or some projects you have been working on since the last time that we talked. Yeah, it's a very high level. The national deer Alliance, we work on policy issues that impact deer hunting and the hunting industry. And so we're not your typical like 
Quality Deer Management Association, Mule Deer Foundation, Whitetails Unlimited. They've got paid memberships. They've got banquets. They're more on the ground conservation. We are all part of an alliance together, however. They do their conservation on the ground, and we try to handle the bulk of the policy work. Not that those groups don't still do some of that on their own, but we we are focused 100% on policy. So um, I kind of become like the white-collar deer hunter, if you will, spending time in state legislatures, D.C., of course, with partner organizations, working with state wildlife organizations. And my absolute uh, state wildlife agencies, my absolute favorite thing is working with the grassroots organizations, which is really cool. Uh, get in where the get in where the passion lies the deepest. So uh, big issues that we work on. Everyone, I'm sure, and you've talked a lot about this a lot. Chronic waste that is our number one issue that we're focused on at the moment. As a matter of fact, we we just rewrote our new strategic plan, and it is top priority for us to be working on chronic waste disease. So uh, we lead a, a national effort there, and uh, we work on hunter access, making sure people have a place to hunt for sure. And then still working on even down to things like Sunday hunting in states that don't have it, good regulations, trying to keep politics out of deer hunting, uh, all of those types of matters. So um, that's that's big picture what NDA is. Right. Now, you said before we get into maybe some current projects, I want to emphasize on the CWD thing because it has definitely been a hot topic. Uh, it seems like there's all these conservation um initiatives or maybe a pushback on conservation initiatives right before the season starts the season the season starts everybody forgets about conservation and then they you know and and then the conservation is maybe on the back burner once again come you know once the season's over but specifically on cwd i feel like recently we have had a lot of individuals within the hunting industry come out and oppose CWD and when I mean oppose it I mean basically voicing their opinion against CWD not being uh, as big of a problem as science and research are making it out to be so so my so my, my question like, what are your thoughts on on that it's funny when you said people oppose CWD, I was kind of chuckling to myself because like, man, I oppose CWD. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wish it was that easy that we could just cast a vote and say, I oppose and then it goes away. (laughs) Um, But at any rate, yeah, you know, Dan, it's, it's unfortunate, really. Some of the things that I see people say and, you know, these people, you know, they're, some of them are what I would call like 50-50 people. You either love them or you hate them. So the people that love them and they say things like that, everybody's all in. Uh, if you hate them, you disagree. And some are, you know, you, you get TV hunting celebrities or personalities saying things. And the reality is, is this. Um, I think, number one, I think that everyone's heart is, is in the right place which that might seem a little bit strange because I've been pretty vocal against some of the things that have been said. But what I mean by that is that we do all wish that it was nothing to worry about. And it does affect all of us. And for some people, it affects their livelihood if they make their living on hunting shows, whatever, um, hunting products. It affects their their living. So I understand the strong passion there. It affects my living because I work on deer issues. Um, It affects more importantly, though, it, it, it impacts 
the wild deer conservation. It impacts deer. It impacts deer hunters in this gigantic and important heritage that we have that we all enjoy. So um, it's 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 just not a good thing for anybody. So therefore, it's very easy for people who, you know, and it's funny just to take a step back. So many of them, when they go on these rants, they start off by saying things like, well, I don't really understand the science, but <laughs> right. um, these people aren't scientists. Yeah. Uh, they're not the people that, that we work with on a regular basis. Uh, some of the top CWD and prion scientists in the country. We work, we work with the National Prion Center at Case Western Reserve University. I mean, that's a world-renowned center that works on prion diseases. CWD is very real. We need to be concerned about it. <clears throat> now, does that mean that, that it's the end of the world? No, it does not mean that either, because there's also a ton of stuff that we don't know about chronic wasting disease. So therefore, we need to continue to do surveillance. We need to continue to do research. And we need to continue to ask tough questions. We need to do what's asked of us as hunters along the way. Now, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, if uh, for, I, I shot my deer in Ohio to bring it back into Pennsylvania, I couldn't just bring the whole deer back. I could only bring back a clean skull plate and uh, meat from the animal. I couldn't bring uh, backbone, for example. I couldn't bring the whole animal back. So that's something where hunters have to participate and do their thing to make sure that they're limiting the potential spread of the disease. But when you have people that want to say it's all made up, it's no big deal, we're blowing it all out of proportion, um, that's unfortunate because people hear that and they want to believe it. So we are all pre-wired to believe the things that we want to believe. So example, for example, if I told you, Dan, hey, I'm a doctor and I tell you you have this um, severe health problem, your natural reaction is going to be denial because it's it's not what you want to hear it's bad news so we all want to hear the good news we want to believe that there isn't anything to worry about but it is something to worry about and i just ask people to be responsible get educated learn about the disease we, we report on it constantly in our national deer alliance newsletter you can go to the cwd alliance website which is really good at cwd-info.org that's where all the factual information resides on this disease get educated understand the facts and don't get caught up in what you see in the sensational post that you see out there that um that's, that's been going around yeah yeah all right so we've talked about the doom and gloom what else are you guys working on or any anything maybe a little bit more on on the the brighter side that you'd like to share with us about the nda yeah definitely i think what you're saying the brighter side is, is key because that's that's the one thing we don't want to lose here is the excitement for deer hunting and the heritage of deer hunting and providing opportunities so i mentioned earlier about making sure that, that we're still focused on things like access to good land to hunt um, putting people in in contact with those places um, having more places protecting the places that are already out there that are threatened uh, that type of thing is important making sure that you've got good and reasonable right reasonable regulations in your state uh, working on trying to get Sunday hunting opportunities in the states, believe it or not, that still don't have any hunting on Sunday. Um, so more opportunity for the sportsmen. That's good news. Um, still working with the industry. You know, the passion's still there. In our in our newsletter, we do little things like member photos, and we just did a, a segment on. Um, or we just did polling in one of our recent newsletters about what are you thankful for as a hunter during the Thanksgiving season. And we got so many cool responses. Almost 400 people took the time to write out the things they're thankful for about deer and hunting and the outdoors. 
that we're going to make sure we put one of those in each of our newsletters going forward so that people see the good news about deer hunting because it is still good news. There's 80% of all people that hunt, hunt deer. Um, it's, it's just a, every time I get out in the woods, it's just a reminder of, of the passion and why we do it. Um, so we're going to continue to focus on that as well. We just relaunched our Coffee and Deer show, which is our online program. We used to do it on Facebook Live, but it became a little bit challenging to stick to a schedule. Everybody's on Facebook, so we went to a pre-recorded format. As a matter of fact, when we jump off today, I'm going to go uh, record another show here this afternoon. And I think people enjoy that. And we get a lot of good feedback on it. And we're just headed into our fourth year as an organization. So we're, we're still here, which is a good thing. We're growing. And I think what we're trying to do is catch an autonomous sportsman. And I think they're paying attention to the issues that, that really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you one thing for me over the last year specifically has been the amount of emails and messages through social media that I get saying, you know, whether it was through myself or someone like the Wired to Hunt podcast or, um, you know, when I do these interviews with either yourself or Lindsey Thomas Jr. of the QDMA, you know, these people hear that and they say, you know, because of this content and I, this isn't, you know, I'm not trying to like brag myself up, but because of this message, I've started hunting and or I've gotten back into hunting. And for me, that's for me personally, that's just really cool to hear that there might be a resurgence, more people are coming back, or the message is getting sent out in a positive way throughout, you know, a lot of the hunting industry that, hey, why don't you give hunting a try? It's not it's not bad. No, shows like yours definitely make a difference, Dan. And it's, um, you know, this isn't just a couple guys talking, trying to promote something that's not true. I mean, this is this is reality. And I have many real life examples of that, including one even this morning where um, a young fellow who I've known for some time, he, he kind of dabbled in hunting earlier on. But now all of a sudden, the last couple of years, he's just ate up with it. Yeah. And he tells me, he's like, I listen to every podcast I can find. I watch all the shows I can watch and I'm up all night doing it and I'm obsessed with it. And, um, you know, to the point of, he's like trying to find a career in it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Right. Everything you see on TV isn't, you're only seeing the best 22 minutes, buddy. You know, right. so, but, but that's the point though, is that they, they want to consume information and, um, your show in particular, I, I always consider to be so grassroots and so relatable that anybody can, can jump on here. And then maybe you have a listener that's listening to, for the first time today and they're going to relate to it. And I just, I think that that has, has done wonders for, for our sport. And I think ultimately we have to be creative like this and how we promote what we do in order to grow. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So for those people out there who want to go find out more information about the National Deer Alliance, where do we need to send them? Yes. National Deer Alliance website is just nationaldeeralliance.com. Our membership is free. It doesn't cost you anything. You can click join and you'll get our newsletter every Wednesday. A lot of people call it the sort of the USA Today of deer news. You'll get deer news from across the country and some other fun things in there. We do a member survey every week. You'll get that every Wednesday. And also, if there's an important issue popping up in your backyard, you'll get a nice little alert from us that tells you how you can help help to save and protect deer hunting. Absolutely. So uh, everybody who's listening right now, go check that out. Now. Let's talk about some deer hunting, man, because uh, this is why we do it, 
right? To get out there and uh, go enjoy Mother Nature and and do some hunting. Like you said uh, earlier, the you know mo- moving work family all kind of kept you out of the timber probably a little bit more than on an average year. And I want to talk about a specific buck that you ended up killing uh, this earlier this week and out of Ohio. So you mentioned that you had before you, you know, this wasn't just a, a deer hunting show or a deer hunting uh, episode where you, you walk into the timber, you shoot a deer and it's done. You've had some history with this deer. So why don't you start at the very beginning and uh, talk to us a little bit about this deer specifically and when you first encountered him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and this is um, this is what gets me. Uh, and, and I'm an advocate for people to shoot whatever makes them happy. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you you have to wait for older deer. And um, I, I just I like the opportunity to go after a deer that I've known something about for a while, and that he's got some age on him, and that just kind of presents that ultimate challenge. That's that's what gets gets me excited. And this particular deer, uh, who I named Curly, first showed up on on some trail cameras, I would say about three years, it was three years ago, yeah, it would be three years ago, and I immediately gave him the nickname Curly because he had these little curly-looking brow kinds, and it was he was kind of odd because he was this nice three-year-old buck, obviously, but, but he just had this sort of disappointing rack for a three-year-old, and... Um, but he he was I just took note of him. Yeah, I wasn't he wasn't a deer I was after or anything. And then pretty soon the next year comes by and he's four years old and he's you know he's he's looking a little more impressive now. He's he's still a huge body deer, and his his curly brow kinds are a little more pronounced. But it's this rack still has the same shape. And I'm thinking like this deer is now four. He's he's about to hit his prime, and he's just not going to produce a, a big rack. And that happens. You know it's it's interesting that. I think the the world record, the Hanson buck, I believe, was a four-year-old buck. Wow. And, yeah, many of these giant bucks that are killed are, are four years old, maybe five. And they just are blessed with great genetics. But you have these other guys like Curly and some other deer that I've had the pleasure of being around that they just, they're just not going to do it. Um, you know, so they're they're just like people. Not everybody is going to look like the rock, you know. So, <laughs> Um, you know, although you understand, um, you know, not everyone else is as lucky, but <laughs> you know, on, a, on a serious note, I mean, that's the same thing with deer. So right, right. then I know I still didn't really target him because there were some other deer that, that I was more interested in. But then two years ago, I started thinking, man, this deer is, uh, he's four, he's, he's four and a half years old now. He's, um, it'd be hard to pass him if he came by, but I still ended up shooting a different deer. But one of the other guys that hunts with me ended up grazing him with an arrow in the winter season. I guess it was after January season hunting. And then the deer, we never saw him again after that. So, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he did more than graze him and the deer's probably dead somewhere. And all through last season, this would be the 2017 season, no pictures, no sightings and I just figure he's gone and so going into this year getting ready for the season even though I wasn't going to be able to hunt Ohio for a while I was still running cameras there and this was a buddy of mine and lo and behold this deer walks by and 
sends this picture to my cell phone. And when, what time of year was that? This was late October. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, like late October. Late October. Maybe maybe a week before Halloween. Okay. And I'm looking at this because he's got this really long, like curly tine on his right side with this big mass, and it's a massive body deer, and I just thought, my God, I think that's curly. I think he's back. And he had the best rack that he's had since I've known of the deer, but it's still not one of these, you know, big, beautiful 150-inch symmetrical. Uh, you know, that's just not the kind of deer he is. But I was so excited. I'm like, man, he's back. And, I'd, man, I'd love to get a crack at this deer. And, and so when I did get out there to hunt, uh, I never did see him. We got another couple trail camera pictures of him, but it wasn't consistent. I didn't feel like he was consistently on our place, but uh, I knew he was around. And then I didn't get a chance to go back to Ohio until this past Sunday. And I bow hunted on Sunday. And when I got there, I checked a couple of my cameras that aren't, um, that aren't the remote cameras. Uh, so just your, your standard typical trail camera that I had to physically check. And in this one little area that I, I don't hunt much, but it's, there's, a, there's, there's occasionally a decent deer that goes through it. I get this trail camera picture of another deer that I've been after forever that, I call him Lucky Eight, but he's an eight-year-old deer, an eight-year-old buck. And this is in Ohio. This isn't like some big thousand-acre private ranch, folks. I mean, this right. is everybody around us shoots everything. Okay, um, so these are deer that just somehow figure out how to survive. And he walked by my trail camera, and I thought, my goodness, if I get a chance at Lucky Eight, like I'm gonna, I know this is a, probably a terrible spot to sit opening morning a gun the next day, but I'm gonna sit here because there's a chance that I'll see second chance or I'm sorry, the chance that I'll see lucky eight second chance is a completely other deer. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so opening Sunday came and went, I didn't have any luck with my bow, saw some small bucks and then opening morning of the firearm season. And I hadn't shot a, a buck with a firearm for a long time. Matter of fact, I think it probably been 17 or 18 years as I thought back. But uh, so I'm out there and it's uh, miserable weather. Anybody that was hunting in the Midwest and Northeast knows it was miserable early last week, rain, wind. And while I was in the stand, I saw a good buck in the distance. I couldn't really make out what he was. He kind of came my direction, but then never made it the whole way through. And But, but the bottom line was there was no action around me. Nobody was shooting. And I knew there was no chance I was going to see lucky eight. So I didn't wait long. I thought, I think it was maybe a little after 8 a.m. I said, I'm going to climb out of my stand and I'm going to move to one of my better spots where there'll at least be more hunters around, maybe move a deer. But I'm going to take my time getting there because this weather, the way this wind's blowing up and it's rain and I can sneak along pretty good and I can see maybe I could spot a deer laying there. So I climbed down and I, I didn't go even 50 yards from my stand and I'm walking along the creek bottom and I, I just happened to see this brown patch laying in the brush in this area where I've, where I've known these deer to bed in the past. And I'm about a hundred yards away and I pulled up my binoculars and sure enough, I saw it was a deer laying there and I thought I could see antlers. So I snuck up a little bit further, got to about 75 yards. And by this time I could see, not only did it have antlers, but this was a big mature deer. And I thought I could make out that curly tine on his right side. And I just kind of, I stopped for a second. I kind of chuckled to myself because I thought, 
Like seriously, like I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak up on the six and a half year old deer that I haven't seen for two years. Uh, right now, like it just it just I, I did literally just sort of smile to myself because it was kind of a cool experience. I, I fully expected him to jump up and bound away. Yeah. Now we're limited with the types of firearms we can use in Ohio, and uh, you can't use a high powered rifle or anything like that. So I'm walking around with a 44 Magnum rifle, which is a, a bolt action that Ruger makes. It's a cool little gun, but it's a 44 Magnum. So your effective range really is 100, 125 yards. So I sneak up and I just keep sneaking as long as I feel like he's comfortable and he's looking the other way. And I literally got to within bow range before I had what I would call a really clear shot because he's really tucked into some thick cover. And uh, there I was and, and I just pulled up. He had no idea I was there. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the sort of sad things about firearms hunting is that when you pull the trigger and if you do it the right way, it's, it's over really quickly. And, you know, that moment when I pulled the trigger, that was that was the end of a several year relationship with the with a fantastic deer. Right. And uh, so I get up to him. And of course, it's Carly. And it's you just you have this moment where it's like you, you feel like that this is someone you knew. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you killed someone you knew, it's not like that at all. But it's just like there's just a moment. Right. Especially and to, to get my hands on a deer that I on a few occasions, um, it's uh, like you said, it's why we do it. It's yeah. why I do it. It's what gets yeah. me excited. And you just you just sort of pay your respects for a while. Yeah. And um, you know, and, he, and he's still a great deer. He's not like I said. He's he's not one of these big, beautiful, typical one fifty inch deer. I, I have no idea what he would score. Actually, I didn't didn't do that. I guess I should figure it out. But he's got super great mass and these big long brow tines that one brow tines almost a foot long um, uh, and he only ever grew these three points on his right side his entire life right and other, other than a kicker off his base and uh, he had four i guess he's technically an eight pointer but um so it, it's just it's so cool and you wonder why whenever i i ended up taking the skull plate off and the one side of his skull was a little thicker than the other and i don't know if he just always had some kind of deformity or some reason that limited his antler potential or what. But to me though, Dan, that's a six and a half year old deer. I mean, that right. is last year I killed a five year old deer. So it, it's, I don't care what the antler score is. I don't care. I mean, it, I'm just super proud and excited and just feel really more than anything else, just so fortunate to, to be able to, to shoot a deer like that. Yep. Absolutely. Especially going, kind of going back to what you said about feeling a little bit of remorse for the animal that you just, you know, that you just killed because of, you know, you felt like you know him. And that's, that's one thing that I, I, I really like about deer hunting is, you know, I got a couple deer on trail camera this year that I've had on trail camera for five years, maybe six years. And (laughs) It's always cool to watch them grow or watch them decrease some year and then watch them maybe mm-hmm. more, maybe watch them blow up, you know, um, and, you know, try to figure out where are these deer coming from? I don't know. You know, you know, like that, it's just part of that puzzle. It's that, you know, that strategy that we, um, implement every year on top of the, the storyboard type of, you know, the, that, 
that is hunting, I guess you could say, especially for whitetails where they carry a lot of characteristics in their antlers. So um, that's one thing that I absolutely love. Now, is this a deer, you know, five-year-old last year, six-year-old this year, mature deer? Um, are, are there mature deer in this area a lot? Because it sounds like it's not very big of a farm, but the farm that you do hunt holds the mature deer. You know, it's interesting. Um, we have had several older deer. Uh, I know of several that were at least five-year-old over the year, few years I've been hunting there. I've been hunting there five years. We had another eight-year-old deer <clears throat> that was a crypt orchid buck. For those that might not know what that means, is he never shed his velvet. Oh, wow. And grew this, yeah, a really goofy rack. Never shed his antlers. The only reason his antlers would fall off is because they would, they would, um, uh, get frostbite and break off. So it had to probably be painful for him. But, um, he died, he was eight years old and we, we found him dead. And I guess just maybe died of natural causes, but there were several others that were in that range. And I think it's, um, I think it's a couple of things. We've been talking about trail cameras. And I think, I think one thing I'll say is I think the absolute best thing about trail cameras is that it allows us to have these relationships and allows us to document the deer that are there. Um, I rarely use them as a scouting tool. Now I did mention that I saw that, that the lucky eight buck was in the area. So I hunted there because of that, but I don't really, to me, it's just a snapshot in time. The deer was there and I know he's around. Right. Um, but you develop these relationships because of the because of the cameras and i would say that if people are really doing the trail camera thing and paying attention and saving their photos that uh, i don't know that my situation is all that unique from what a lot of people can have and that is these deer they can figure out how to survive in just about any environment the farm i hunt is um total farm is a little over 300 acres but i would say only about 40 of that is woods and they find a way you know, I don't know if they're hiding behind someone's backyard, behind some little girl's swing sets, uh, but they do it. And then, and then the other thing I'll say, too, it's interesting. This buck, I killed him. Uh, I killed him only because I was originally looking for Lucky 8. So that's the only reason I was hunting down there in the first place. And the other thing is that he was in an area that he hadn't, I hadn't had a picture of him for, for two years. He hadn't been down in that area. So, you know, you might have 20 cameras out there, but the deer, they, they know how to, they don't, I don't know that they think through it, but they, they don't always walk in front of them and they cover a lot more ground than you realize. And I just think that more people probably have these type of deer running around and they don't even realize it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing what trail cameras will tell you. I remember, you know, thinking that I needed this huge gigantic farm to find big deer in Iowa and then I started running trail cameras and I was, and that was back in the day when I got, I think the most you could get was 32 or 32 pictures per uh, roll of film. So I had to put a roll of film in the trail camera with these D batteries. It was like taking a, it's like a VCR to the woods, strapping it to a tree, <laughs> right? And then hoping that the wind or a squirrel didn't sit in front of it for 32 pictures worth. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> you know, because the, the best was you go check, you, you go switch the film out, you go, and obviously I paid extra because I went to the hour 
you know, go to Walmart or a drugstore and you yep. say, okay, I'm going to pay extra. I want it done in an hour. Uh, and then I basically just go to the parking lot and wait. And then I come back early. Hey, uh, my picture's done yet? No, not yet. So I go back out to my car, <laughs> wait a little bit longer, get the pictures. And it's all grass blowing in the wind or a squirrel. And you're just like, <laughs> no, but, but the times, but the times where it did work, you get these pictures and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know deer like that existed on this farm, but they do. And it helps you learn a little bit about, about how to hunt big deer. I'm laughing and kind of nodding my head. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are too, because we've all been there. Yep. Uh, the first camera I ever owned was called the non-typical deer cam. And it kind of had like this tree bark, uh, cover on it. And, um, I can't tell you how many times that I got there and I didn't realize it, but the battery died. I opened it up and you know, I exposed all the film. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you never, of course, of course, in my mind, that was the day the, the Boone and Crockett walked by and I just didn't get a picture. But uh, <laughs> the, the young, the young kids nowadays that have all these fancy cameras and myself getting pictures sent to my cell phone, um, they haven't earned their stripes like we have over yeah. the years right. <laughs> doing it this way. Right, right. Well, pretty short podcast today, man. Congratulations on uh, a really awesome buck. And uh, thanks for filling us in on what's going on uh, with the NDA. And again, I really strongly suggest to anybody who's listening to please go out and uh, um, sign up to become a member of the NDA. It is free. And uh, I don't know, Nick, anything else you want to, any, any other wisdom you want to share with us today? No, just that uh, I appreciate you, Dan, and what you do, and others like you who are getting the good word out there. And I appreciate everybody that's listening to this because if you're sitting there listening to this, you're a you're a passionate guy, you're a passionate deer hunter. Not even a guy necessarily. Um, you could be a young woman listening to this, which is great, and that's what we need. We need to grow this sport, and and I think the things that uh, that you're doing through the podcast, Dan, are making a difference. So thanks for passing the word. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Nick for taking time out of his schedule to hop on and uh, drop some knowledge bombs on us about what the NDA is and uh, what they're up to. Uh, And congrats to him for uh, one hell of a deer this year. Also, huge shout out to each and every one of you guys. I can't say this enough. If it wasn't for you listening to my podcast, this podcast would probably not be putting out the the quality and the amount of content that it is putting out. So kudos to you. Thank you very much. Please go to iTunes or wherever you download the podcast. And if you like it, man, give it a five-star review. That would be awesome. If you don't like it, um, I guess stop listening to it. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys very much for tuning in. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics, and Hunter Safety Systems. Guys, without their support, this wouldn't be possible. So please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And lastly, man, if you're if you're not on social media or if you're not following the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation, you guys are missing out. All right. And if you are, man, thank you. 
Uh, tons of great content coming through just the social media outlets as well. Lots of cool pictures, lots of cool stories, and uh, that's where I like to uh, ask random questions and update everybody on what's going on. Uh, you can get a little bit more of my story. You know, like for example, I took my wife out shotgun hunting this weekend, and uh, it was her first time. That's what I'll say. So, other than that, huge shout out to everybody partners and individuals who are listening. I think that's it, you know. It's gun season in Iowa, and that means that uh, there's a lot of people out in the woods right now, and uh, one bad apple can spoil a bunch, so please be safe out there. Make sure you're wearing your proper attire, you know, if your state, if it's a rule in your state to wear head-to-toe blaze orange or whatever, uh, do it, because the last thing we all want is uh, a loved one getting shot. Because uh, I've talked to some people who have been shot before and they say it sucks a lot. So try not to get shot. Other than that, thank you very much. If you're going to be in our tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.